Hello, and welcome back to Nice Jewish Fangirls, a podcast where three Orthodox women discuss all of the wonderfully nerdy things that we're obsessed with. I'm Michal Schick, and I'm your host, and I'm joined today by my amazing co-hosts, Essam Rosenberg. Hello. And Tamar Herman. Hi. Guys, what's up? We're still here. We're still here. We are here again. We have returned. Yeah, I... <laughs> Um, nice Jewish fangirls, the return. That That is, in fact, what we call the Google, Google Doc. Um, but I think, yeah, you're going to have to uh, forgive us for, for absence. We had some moving. We had some new jobs. We had some ongoing pandemic fun. Um, but we have returned, and we're going to be back. Is that what the pandemic is? Pandemic fun. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, well, it's it's an ongoing saga, I guess you could say. It's like, you know, the MCU just, it sucks way more. <laughs> <laughs> and well, it's a lot more boring. You know, okay, well, we can discuss that later, because the MCU sucks lately. That's a lot. Well, <laughs> I haven't been keeping up with most of this stuff because I don't have Disney Plus. So, you know, for me, the MCU is through Endgame and maybe WandaVision because I did watch that. Um, and then everything else we can just, you know, whatever. <laughs> okay. okay we'll, we'll catch up. Um, cool. So what we're going to do... Well, actually, first, let's just... Let me just ask, how are you, my wonderful co-hosts? How have you been doing? We are awake. And alive. That is good. So, yeah. Two pluses that's there. pretty much it. Yeah, that's pretty... I think we all agree. We're happy we're all awake and we're happy we're all alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have high standards these days. Yes, indeed. Um, so the plan for this week is we're going to discuss kind of... We're going to do kind of like an expanded um, current obsessions, but they're not so current because we're kind of going to get into the things that we probably would have discussed um, but haven't had the chance to, so we're going to um, go around and share things we've been obsessed with over the past year or so. Um, and then we're also going to introduce our plan for the next couple episodes, so stay tuned for that at the end of the episode. That'll keep them listening for sure, right? <laughs> <laughs> so before we dive into our main topic, uh, let's just talk about where we've been um, and what's been up with us over the past uh, year-ish um, I guess I'll go for it. I can start because I'm really oh, please, boring. Go. So like I have not done anything uh interesting regarding like moving wise or employment wise. I'm still employed at the same place that I was before. Um and I am just working from home and I never go anywhere or see anything and it's really nice that daylight savings time really hasn't impacted my life very much because it does I don't go outside so it doesn't I don't even notice uh anymore but um yeah so that's that's where I'm at but you guys have had much more interesting stories to tell. Care. that sounds wonderful and you also wrote a whole <laughs> book series and learned how to cook so yeah <laughs> Tamar what about you I think I think you're the peak exciting, and then I'm kind of no, in the you middle. Go next. Well, okay, fine. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> we'll end with a bang. Um, yeah, so I um, I I have a new job um, that I was. Yeah, I feel very very fortunate to be able to start. I'm working in television writing now, which is something I've wanted to do for a really really Yay. really long time. Um, maybe I'll share more details at a later point. I'm not really sure how much I'm like putting out there publicly right now, but yes, suffice to say, um, new job, possibly moving to a, a new place also, but, um, 
that is still up in the air. Uh, and over to you, Tamar. Uh, that would be so weird if you moved. I, I know, right? Imagine you and <laughs> You're not allowed to move. I know. I'm, such putting a York down my, like I'm putting painful. my foot down. Oh, I'm like, gosh, the time zones are really messy for us then. Um, actually, it'd be quite easy. Oh, my God. Yeah, if you move to no, another it's time. Actually, it's actually, it's actually <laughs> not easier, allowed. Not um, allowed. Because I'm in Hong Kong, and the place that she'd be moving would be on the west coast of the U.S., and we could do a early call in the morning with the nighttime in, in California, which is an early evening. So it works out quite well, actually. Um, but, yeah, I'm in Hong Kong. I started a job at the Hong Kong newspaper, the South China Morning Post, in October 2020, I flew across the world in the middle of the pandemic and took this job being a senior culture reporter. Uh, so my days of freelancing, I was going to say are over, but they're, they're over for now. Um, I've been here for a year. Hong Kong is a weird mix of normal life and also terrible feelings of being like locked in because the COVID rules are very... Um, over the top. draconian yeah if i want to go visit the u.s i have to pay three weeks worth of hotel quarantine and it's very pricey and very uh lonely and no windows for many of the hotels um no windows that open sorry not not no windows um which is just a lot of three weeks without any fresh air is just um a lot to willingly pay for so i'm not leaving anytime soon with plans to come back to Hong Kong. So, yeah, so it's been an interesting year. Um, yeah, the SCMP, the fun, cool newspaper owned by Alibaba and Jack Ma. For now. There's rumors about that. Um, there's just a lot going on here. I moved to Hong Kong. That's really it. It's cool. It is very, 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 very cool. I'm I sorry. would definitely sell this better if I wasn't yeah. tired. Right now. I'm really sorry. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Should we wrap it up there? Yeah, tomorrow's Jamie, 13 you, hours ahead of yeah, us. Yeah, Jamie, if you could make me not sound like she's idiot, in the future, that would be great. No, you guys are in the past. <laughs> no, you're in the future. You are living in the future. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you're vaccinated? Even if you're vaccinated, and if you come from a place that's not the U.S. or like a few other high-risk countries, it's two weeks. Even so, I know someone here whose mother just came from Tel Aviv and she quarantined for two weeks just so that she could be with him when he has his first child and his wife's family uh, couldn't come. Oh, wow. Higher risk countries and they'd have to do three weeks quarantine. So the mom was in two weeks quarantine. She's going to be here for a week to help out and then she has to go oh, back to work. Oh, my gosh. And that, oh, that's... Wow. That's like you're going to have to tell us all about the Jewish community in Hong Kong because this sounds fascinating. Yeah, so... Who would like to go first with our not-so-current obsessions? We're each going to say five, and we're going to go around Round Robin as an, as is our want. I was just watching one of mine, so I, I can... Yes, please, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so it's not like this, the most nerdy of my fandoms, but I, I've just been catching up on the, the, the great, the new season dropped the weekend that we're recording this, and I got really into it as a Hulu really intense comedy about Catherine the Great that declares itself in an occasionally true story. And it's just really funny. Uh, Ella Fanning stars um, alongside, what's his name? Nicholas Holt. I love him. Yes. Yes. I mean, I hate him, but I love him. (laughs) They're both just really funny. And the whole show's concept is really intense because you know, inevitably, Catherine the Great is going to be Catherine the Great. But at the same time, you're like, 
what's going to happen? This is all crazy. Like, there's every episode, there's something bizarre happening and, and multiple bizarre things. Like, the screenwriters are just really funny. And at the same time, there is a whole sense of, like, seriousness to it because she's becoming Catherine the Great. And she will eventually kill her husband. But at the same time, you're like, oh, but they have a really funny, like, chemistry. And, and like, you do know the inevitable. The inevitable is she will become Catherine the Great and she will kill her husband and take over Russia. And she will do whatever Catherine the Great did. Which, honestly, I've had to Google a lot because the show is not accurate at all. Oh, my God. It's so not. They combine, like, two two czars to make Nicholas. Yeah, I mean they they like I mean, say from what I saw for the commercials, the language is not accurate. That is the least of it. Well, none of it's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> That's like yeah, like honestly, there I was watching one of the recent episodes and like they show you that like they were writing in Russian, and I was just like the fact that they even translated that is hilarious because like if they had just written it in English, nobody would have ever questioned it. Like the fact that they wrote it actually in Russian in the show and showed it to the audience it was just really funny because. They do not care. But, um, you know, that, so that might not even nice... be accurate because, like, I don't know, depending on the oh, time, yeah. the Russian, Russian elite all spoke French. They, like, didn't. Well, I always think of that because every episode they're like, oh, we don't know anything about the French court or, like, the first episode, uh, like, this isn't really a spoiler because it's so long ago, but, like, the first episode, the women of the court think that those, like, intense wigs that you think of, like, for Marie Antoinette are hats that came from the French court. They're the hats that came from the French court. And she's like, they're wigs. Um, but it's just a very, like, yeah, so I'm always like, do they, do does the, obviously the showrunners have done a lot of, like, research. So they clearly know that the court was speaking French all the time and very heavily influenced by the French court, but they make them seem like such backward hicks. I'm not sure if they're actually supposed to be speaking in French or Russian or not. So it's just a funny show, and clearly Michal at least has watched it. So yeah, I haven't watched season two I yet, but of. season one was was very compelling and difficult to watch, but in a in a very you can't stop kind of way. <laughs> yeah, it's like the ultimate camp, but also intense, and also just like really surrealistic, but also very realistic in many ways. And so yeah, so the, the I should probably not share this, but uh. The second series came out, I think, on Friday and Saturday night and Sunday. I will have finished the show between <laughs> the two. <laughs> I, to be fair, I did also go to, like, a thing at my show this morning, and I went on a really cool trip today. So I did enough that I can still veg. And I wrote an article. So I did a lot today. I can still veg. Hey, watch, I, so. you know, I am a champion binge watcher, so like I do not even question the idea of watching an entire season of anything in a day. Like that's just standard for me at this point. You guys are so behind. I've been binge watch like two things. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who's next? Um, I can go next. Yes, please. Okay, so <laughs> a lot of my stuff I feel like is going to be the same, but I wanted to start with, um. Uh, I mean, there's kind of a sequence to how I got into the other stuff. So I'll start with this is that, um, about a year ago, um, I had like a mental health collapse and like, I don't know what precipitated it. Like it wasn't the pandemic because the pandemic had been going on for quite a while and it, you know, I was surprisingly fine with it. Like isolation didn't bother me and, uh, working from home didn't bother me and not seeing other humans didn't bother me. I was fine for 
I don't know, good eight months. And then, boom, um, my brain imploded and I don't know what happened. Um, so, uh, for people who have been depressed or anxious, um, you probably know that, like, at those times, it's very difficult to find something that will hold your attention. Everything seems boring and uninteresting and you just you know can't pay attention to anything outside of your own head and everything inside your own head is a complete mess and it's an unpleasant experience so i um so whenever you find something that you can you know that does hold your attention that you can latch on to you latch on to that very hard so for me one of the things like one of the only things that i found that could hold my attention was um outer space um and like the anything to do with space travel and like real life space travel i mean not even fiction just um the space program what we have planned what we've accomplished um and i've always been curious about the international space station in particular because it always seemed like how did that happen when, you know, how did anybody in multiple countries cooperate for long enough to create something so awesome? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it just doesn't seem, it sounds fake, but okay. Doesn't yeah. make sense. <laughs> and so, like, I've always wanted to know what was the political social history behind the International Space Station. I could never really find a book on that. And I found the closest thing that I could find to that Um I put it on my wish list. It's called, uh, it's a book called Outposts on the Frontier. It's a little over 400 pages. It's like a big, uh, book. It's a 50 year history of space stations by Jay Chladek. And, um, I put it on my, uh, on my Amazon wish list and I told my dad about it because we have a family tradition where he, uh, gets each of us a book every Hanukkah. So he got me this for my Hanukkah present and I read it and he was like, when he would see me reading it, he would be like, what? <laughs> I thought that those are the kinds of books that you just own and never read. And I was like, <laughs> for maybe for lots of people, but I'm doing this, you know? And like, there's so much interesting stuff in there about, you know, like sometimes it glosses over the things that I really wanted to know. They were just like, you know, it'll say in a paragraph, you know, it took some arm twisting, but they, you know, negotiated this. And I was like, I want to know the negotiations. I want to know how this happened. Um, but then they get back into, you know, the the actual science and um, and just the progress, um, you know, what steps had to be taken first and um there's just a lot of interesting stuff in there um but and also i like certain times when he'll go into the personalities and the histories of the people and then you get really invested in them and i just have to warn you and just sort of like recommend and warn that like if you don't know about uh the soyuz 2 mission which was one of russia's first missions uh to their space station before there was any kind of international program, um, you know, the U.S. and the and Russia were developing separately. Um, the Soyuz 2 mission um, just, like, absolutely devastated me. <laughs> um, but it was so fascinating to read about. And then, um, yeah, I did not know that um, it had ended poorly. 
because it was super successful for, you know, what it aimed to accomplish and what it did accomplish at the time. And then coming down, things went wrong. And just the way it's written and just the, you know, I got really invested in these astronauts. And then um, the way that the that the investigation went of what went wrong is just like, it's so sad. And like... One one time my sister was depressed and I was like, you want to hear something even more depressing to distract you from your own depression? And she was like, no. And I was like, well, I'm going to tell you anyway. And I tell her this whole story and then we finish and she's like, that's terrible. Why would you tell me that? And I was like, it distracted you, didn't it? And she was like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, my therapeutic techniques are not recommended, but um yeah, there's just really interesting stuff about space um, that is out there. And there's, you know, obviously years and years of history and just like there are going to be a million angles that you can look at if that's something that you're interested in. Um, so I just happened to um, latch onto this book. And then after that, I latched onto uh, rewatching Star Trek. And I will get into that in my uh, in my next uh, obsession when we get back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be that person, but maybe if the book doesn't exist about the space station, you could write it. I had the same thought. I am not a researcher. Like, I do not have the patience for that. I make stuff up. Like, I'm a <laughs> fiction writer through and through. I think that's what writing partners are for. Mm, do you want to do the research? <laughs> no, but what you need to do is you need to find someone who's garbage at writing but great at research and interested in the same thing. And then you guys are a perfect partnership. Uh, theoretically, I just, yeah, I don't know. Collaboration is just a whole other beast. <laughs> but I I hear you. I appreciate the input. <laughs> it did make me wonder if there are any, like, podcasts about, like, the history of the space program and, and international cooperation. That That seems like the type of thing that a podcast might find interesting, whereas... I'm sure there are. Um, like, or even just like individual episodes that do a deep dive or something, you know, on like the fact that during the space race, we weren't always in competition with Russia. There was actually at one point a really intense joint U.S.-Russia collaboration um, during the Cold War um, where they um, they actually had to design a whole new airlock system that would work with both the American uh, vessels and the Russian vessels. Um, and the Americans spent a year learning Russian and the Russians spent a year learning English and they each spoke in, yeah, in the other, in the other language. Um, it was just like a really intense collaboration and that happened during the Cold War and like where we only learn about the competitive aspect of it that really developed later, um, but in the beginning, they were they worked together, and there were always like back channels open between the scientists. It's really interesting. So I'm actually so glad you said that because it gives me the opportunity to sneakily sneak in an extra um, obsession. Yes, <laughs> um, <laughs> more obsessions the better. Um, and that is for all mankind on Apple, which is an alternate history of the space program where the Russians got to the moon first, and there's actually like a significant plot point about an attempted collaboration with the Russians and how the Russians and the Americans can't decide on the airlock because neither of them wants to be the female part of the airlock. Oh, I think that may have come up. I don't remember the details, but yeah. 
That is so sexist. It's it's not great, but it's a, it's a really interesting. The first like two episodes are unbelievably dull, um, but then like after that, uh, if if you have Apple Plus, I actually do recommend it. It's it's quite. I, I'm very susceptible to like space drama because like the the line between the characters and death is minuscule, very yeah. thin. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the thin black line, and, and it can be either like instant death or like nope, you're just gonna starve to death very Slow. slowly. Yeah. Yes. Um. So, <laughs> and this is the sort of stuff Michal enjoys. Well, yeah. So it's it's very it's I I found it a very tense watch, but I I do recommend it if you have Apple Plus. Um. But my my real um obsession. Uh. First off, I have to give pride of place to Return of the Thief by Megan Whalen Turner, which came out last year and it is the last book in the queen's thief series and oh my goodness i was so excited for that book um i went into a barnes noble for the first time in like a year to get it um which was a good thing because the copy i'd ordered took like forever to come um because i ordered it from like an independent bookstore and bless them all good but it just didn't get here i think i was trying to read it by by the holidays last year and uh, it didn't get here in time. So I had my other copy. And yeah, it's a really interesting book. It's it's very Megan Whale and Turner. It's very like, I'm not going to give you exactly what you want. I'm going to give you what I think the story needs to be told in the way I want to tell it. Um, has some real emotional highs and lows in there. Um, you know, I, I I feel like I'm still digesting it after, actually. Like if, if you've read her books and you like her books you know that there's a long process of like understanding what she's telling you and things you learn about the characters. And there's, there's a huge revelation in there that is completely hidden. And I didn't get it at all until I was talking to somebody and they were like, did you realize that this is proof that X, Y, Z? And I was like, Oh my God, no. Wait, what is it? Um, Spoilers. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll. It's okay. I'm probably not going to read it, so you can. I know, but I want to know. Michal, text me. I will. I will. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, and it it has some really good like feminist moments. Like the, the, um, the two queens are, um, are the, uh, are like the undisputed like military organizers, um, and it's it's just it's it's you know there's a lot of good time with characters that you like. And I don't know what else you can ask for in, in like, the the final book in a series. So it was very close to my heart. Can't believe the series is done. And, yeah, it'll be really fun to, you know, go back and revisit those again. Uh, I actually read it when I was in quarantine. And I actually read it during two different shows because I was like, did I get it? And now I've reread it a third time. And so now I'm curious what you heard. I will. I will. I'm texting you as we speak. <laughs> Okay, I'm so <laughs> I'll mute my mic. <laughs> Hold on. I don't want to. Okay, while she texts, I can go do my next one. Well, actually, she might want to pay attention to this one because it has to maybe do something that Nicole does in her real life. Uh, so I've been mostly rewatching a lot of shows. Um, I actually like had to struggle. Like, what did, what have I watched lately? Because I've been watch, rewatching so many things. Uh, but one of them that I've rewatched, and I honestly don't remember if I watched it before the pandemic or if I got into it during the pandemic. Uh, but I just finished a rewatch of The Dragon Prince, which I really mm. love. It's a great series on Netflix. I think Michal may have heard of it. <laughs> uh, 
I just I just really like the characters. I don't love a whole lot of cartoons, just as a general. I, I love like kids movies, um, but I don't typically like watch anime or any of the like uh, like BoJack or I don't know like Adventure Time. Like none of the most of those don't really resonate with me. Not because of like the content as much as just kind of the medium, and I guess the content also. Uh, but this content does engage me and the artwork is really wonderful and the acting is really great. The accents are probably the only thing that was like, eh. Um, <laughs> just one character, so. Um, but I think it's a really great show and I, th- I really enjoy it. And I always, like, like I'll just randomly be cooking and be like, is, what is, is this going to turn into this? Like, I need to know what happens next. So I'm very eager for the next season, which is kind of one of the reasons why I was rewatching it. Aww. that's that makes me very happy for no particular reason (laughs) none whatsoever um sm what's your uh next old obsession wait did you give one yes i gave uh make will she gave her oh yes yeah she gave where was i i don't know (laughs) (laughs) yeah um yeah okay so um as promised uh my (laughs) next one um because after I got into my real space obsession, I got into fake space obsession. Um, and I started rewatching a lot of Star Trek. There was some Star Trek that I had not yet seen. I hadn't yet watched Star Trek Discovery um, at that point in the pandemic. Now I have. Um, <laughs> so then that's like, there's a lot of this new Trek happening, which is, I want to just, give a whole a little bit of a summation of what i think you know is really awesome about being a star trek fan at this point in time um because like comic books fans always um talk about how like the great thing about comics fandom is that you will never run out of canon like there is so much canon and there is always more that you haven't that you haven't seen and that you haven't read and that there's um, there's more content coming out all the time. Um, and I feel like now that is where, that is the position that Star Trek is currently in, um, where there is, you know, decades and decades of content from the old shows, but there's also been, you know, a bajillion spinoffs and obviously, um, billions and billions of fanfics that you, if you ever want to read you know star trek fanfic there's there's going to be a, a lot of it out there um and there are all this the spin-off novels and now there are currently i'm not even sure how many shows are currently uh airing that are uh that are star trek shows there's um there are two animated series one is like a more of an adult animated series, which is Lower Decks, and then yes, I, I've Prodigy. seen some screen caps from Lower Decks. <laughs> Lower Decks is very, very enjoyable to me. Um, I actually enjoyed it more after I, I did, I watched it in the beginning of my my rewatch. Well, it wasn't it wasn't a rewatch, so like I watched Discovery and I watched Lower Decks, um, and then I went back and rewatched like pretty much the entire Star Trek canon, um, and then I rewatched the first and second seasons of Lower Decks second season was coming out at that point. So I watched it as it went week by week. Um, and I appreciated Lower Decks that much more having recently seen all of the stuff that, you know, things that get referenced um, because it's extremely self-referential. It's clearly, it's, you know, 
the epitome of affectionate parody of like, you know, only Star Trek fans could make fun of Star Trek in quite this way. Um, and it's very, it's very entertaining. And it's sometimes unclear to me, you know, when I watch it, I was like, who is this for exactly? Because there's, you know, there's bleeping out and like all the, you know, mature content, but there's also like sometimes it feels like the storylines are, are and the character arcs are very simplistic, you know. So it's like it's a a kids show for adults, and like that's okay. <laughs> if, you know, some people bounce off it very hard and are not into it, but I uh, I very much enjoyed it. And I think the second season was better than the first, and it just they they get more into the characterizations, and it's getting better as it goes. Um. But then, uh, yeah, they also, so currently they just came out recently, um, a few weeks ago with Star Trek Prodigy, which is a, a kid's show for kids. Um, but it's, it's on the Nickelodeon network and it's gorgeously animated and the music is incredible by the same guy who did the music for the J.J. Abrams movies and like a lot of other movies. He's a you know, very accomplished composer. Um, and he did the main theme for, for Prodigy. And it's, it's just so pretty. Everything is so pretty. And, and I think the most recent episode that I saw, I think is the fifth episode of the season called Terror Firma. And I think it was the best episode of the season so far. And you really, the characters are really starting to come into their own and the, the chemistry between the, the ragtag crew members, um, is really starting to cohere, and I am excited to see where it goes. Um, and they got Kate Mulgrew to come out of her uh, semi-Star Trek retirement to voice a hologram Captain Janeway, uh, which was very exciting to many of us who are fans of Star Trek Voyager, where she was Captain Janeway. Um, there is a lot I obviously could say <laughs> about Star Trek, um, but surprisingly... A lot of it holds up, even though, you know, there are always going to be extremely dated aspects and like the original series in particular, sexism is terrible, but a lot of the other stuff is like surprisingly progressive and um, Captain Kirk is nowhere near the kind of playboy that he comes across in like the J.J. Abrams movies and like the general fandom concept of Captain Kirk, you know, hitting on everything that moves and just like sleeping with every alien ever. Um, he's more of like an intense romantic of the kind of person who like, you know, it's not that he's womanizing, it's that he genuinely falls in love with every woman he meets. <laughs> oh, so he's the ass uh, from The Witcher. Exactly. I remember seeing that. I remember seeing that interview and like how he says that like he's not a womanizer. He just like turns around and, and like, oh my god, I love you now. You know, every everybody is just amazing to him, and he, yeah. So like, I think feel like that is a significant uh, difference between the way the fandom tends to think of and talk about Captain Kirk and the way it was adapted for the J.J. Abrams movies and the way the original uh, Captain Kirk was. Um, and I think William Shatner played him surprisingly well and low key in many ways. Um, there are definitely melodramatics that people love to imitate from him, but, um, there's a lot of subtlety in his performance also. So anyway, in general, I would say that it, it holds up a, a very well in a lot of ways and that, um, yeah, if you haven't gotten into Star Trek, there are lots of avenues in which to do it um and i 
will happily give recommendations to anybody who wants to know <laughs> what to what to watch, uh, how to watch it. Um, me, that was directed just, at me. <laughs> that is, that's directed at you, but also at our audience. Um, that I am, I'm planning to make like some kind of, you know, some some kind of post at some point <laughs> uh, with helpful uh, instructions on, you know, various places you can start Star Trek and. Um, certain episodes that you might want to watch and see if you're into them and see uh, if it's something that you could be your next obsession. Very cool. Very cool. Um, I feel like, I feel like I've been approached by like a Chabad Rebbe or something. (laughs) (laughs) I I had a a friend over for, uh, we were hanging out on a Shabbos afternoon a few weeks ago and I was telling her about like my, you know, feelings and thoughts on, I didn't even mention Spock. Can you believe I didn't mention Spock? (laughs) Um, Spock is amazing and just like Leonard Nimoy is iconic and like there is, there is no better you know fictional character and like whenever they uh they have these like who is the sexiest character in star trek i'm just leonard nimoy as spock like there's there's no debate like it's just you know spock is the sexiest character you've ever seen um and he's just surprisingly incredibly funny um and whatever there are just a million layers to spock and the way that leonard nimoy played him um and i was just talking to my friend about like all my feelings about Kirk and Spock and the original series and all this stuff. And she was like, you know, I've never watched the original. She's seen a bunch of other Star Treks, you know, she's like, I've never watched the original, but now I kind of want to. And I was like, mission accomplished. (laughs) You got her to put on fill-in today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the worst. (laughs) Oh man. Um, well, staying in the, um, television mode, um, my next obsession um, was a little show people might have heard of called Ted Lasso. I have heard of it, but I know nothing about it. So please tell me everything. So nothing about this show on the surface makes it seem like you would want to watch this show. Um, yeah. It is quite <laughs> literally based on a commercial. Pirates of the Caribbean was based on a amusement park ride. So don't judge. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. But yeah, so nothing about this show makes it seem like you would want to watch this show. It is based on a commercial for football, um, British football. It's it's you know with it's starring Jason Sudeikis as a as a country bumpkin. You know, I think he's from Indiana in the show. Like a you know very, um, it seems like a very silly masculine project that shouldn't exist. Um, but for some reason, it is actually, uh, and this will come as no surprise to anyone who's heard about Ted Lasso, it is, like, an incredibly kind, sweet, empo- like, empowering, you know, affirming show um, that is just really, really, really beautiful. Um, it, the first season is definitely superior to the second season. The second season has been controversial. I'm still actually not sure how I feel about it, so, like, I... I don't feel like I can say, like, I feel this way or I feel that way, because I I actually feel both ways. Um, I should probably rewatch it and, like, actually decide. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's definitely... I mean, if you need to, like, feel good about something, the first season is wonderful. Um, it also introduced me to the existence of Brett Goldstein, who I don't... 
I don't know if he is Jewish, considers himself Jewish, but like in my head, he's eligible marriage material. (laughs) (laughs) He upsets me in a very good way. Um, And, you know, then there's just like, uh, there's just great characters. Um, And some of the episodes, I mean, they're all really well written, but some of the episodes in the first season, I was like, just the way this came together is so satisfying as a writer. It's just so neat. And it, and it, fits like a puzzle and you don't exactly see where it's going and oh it's wonderful absolutely wonderful so um there is supposed to be another third season or a third season coming um eventually Uh, i don't know if they've started production on that yet but i highly recommend getting on the lasso train because everyone's going to be talking about it and it's just it's it's a it's a good sweet time like i actually found myself like one of the things Ted Lasso says to people is like, I appreciate you. And I found myself driving and like somebody like, I don't know, put their turn signal on. And I was like, oh, thank you for that. I appreciate you. <laughs> I was like, what is this? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it, it does. It, it, so it's on Apple TV. It is on Apple TV, which I, I really do recommend trying out. I mean, if you're buying an Apple product, I think they give you a free year or something. So like, Maybe wait for that, but um, they have a lot of really interesting stuff on there. They have the new Foundation show, which I haven't watched, but I want to because Lee Pace is in it, and yeah. that's like, the only reason. Yeah. Also, Jared <laughs> Harris, who I'll talk about in later. Yeah, one of my brothers is obsessed with Jared Harris, but I don't know Oh, <laughs> he is very... My boss is obsessed with him, and I thought she was crazy, and then, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is it Tamar's turn now? Yes, we are throwing it back to Tamar. The next one I have, I was kind of, I'm kind of surprised this hasn't come up really from anyone yet. I assumed I wasn't going to be the only one who had watched these, but I, I wrote down WandaVision and Loki and What If, but really I just mean like just the Disney Plus MCU shows and just generally the Disney Plus um, I'm so glad content. you brought this up because I they were just under my list and I, I, I'm so glad. <laughs> so I don't, I don't have Disney Plus, so I am extremely limited in when I have an opportunity to watch it with somebody else who has it, you know, so it's uh, not really been part of my fandom experience so far. Well, I, won't, I won't do spoilers, but I will say anybody who hasn't, including SM, should definitely watch, like, Loki before the new Spider-Man Oh, I want to watch Loki. <laughs> I love how you just didn't mention Falcon and Winter Soldier there. <laughs> <laughs> what 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 did I not mention? Falcon and Winter Soldier. Falcon. Um, because honestly, like that one, I don't think that one was like honestly, like can I? It's not a spoiler, but I don't think that one was as necessary. Like you don't miss out on what they're getting to. Yeah, I know. I hundred percent agree. The end of that series, if you've seen only the movies, whereas WandaVision and Loki both end you up at very different places than the show began, and it's not that the show had no value and was not enjoyable. I really did enjoy uh, Falcon. I was going to say the Falcon. Falcon and Winter Soldier. I did think it was really enjoyable. It was really nice to see like them put a spotlight on certain things and these two actors especially. And I hope they continue to do that. Um, I just don't think it was as engaging storytelling wise as the other two or as necessary in regards to the, like the MCU and now the, the TV shows like WandaVision took a huge chunk of like essentially what could have been a movie and they they went amazing with it the way that they were doing the storytelling yeah um and then loki loki could have also been a movie but i don't think i 
in some ways, I don't think Loki was as successful as a TV show only because it didn't have to be a TV show, whereas WandaVision clearly was, you know, <laughs> it was literally a TV show. Yeah, TV the medium show. was uh, absolutely necessary yeah. for WandaVision. So, so, yeah, so I think it kind of in that regard, those three shows, uh, like Loki and, and WandaVision, were very unique for this format of, you know, what Disney Plus has to offer. Uh, but then also, What If, which is the animated what if show I thought was really fascinating and really brought up some really interesting, the finale, especially I was like, this is so cool. Please give us more. And they just confirmed that the second season is in the works, which we already knew, but they confirmed it will be coming out. So I'm very excited. And if you haven't watched it, um, I think like everyone probably knows what WandaVision and Loki and Winter Soldier and Falcon is. I never remember if it's Falcon and Winter Soldier, Winter Soldier. I think it's Falcon Falcon and Winter Soldier. It's just a branding issue that if I cannot remember it, um, yeah. uh, but what if is like essentially like, cause now we, they've introduced the multiverse. So it's like, let's follow a train of thought. And so like one, one really ridiculous one, which apparently they're making a series based off of, um, is what if zombies happened? And so now apparently they're announcing Marvel zombies. And I think they, I think that might be the official title. Um, so, so like, honestly, I thought that was like the least successful episode. What if, why not? <laughs> right. Exactly. I thought that was one of the le- less successful episodes, but like some of the other ones were like, um, what if this one was really what if, out uh, of the left Peggy field. Carter became, Captain America. That was the first that one, one, and that yeah. that one also is based on, like, comics, so I thought they were yeah. going to keep on doing that, like, taking, like, the alternative comics, which I can't, I, I don't know enough about the Marvel comics, the thousands of different alternatives that universes that they have introduced at this point, but, like, one was, like, what if, what if it was T'Challa who became, um, what's your call Star-Lord? Like, my it was very I random. heard about that also. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't make any happen. sense. It was like, why would he get kidnapped? Um, and some of the other ones, were, one of them was like, um, you know, Ultron succeeded in getting the body of Vision and what, what comes out of that. And it was just really, like, each one was really contained and I thought they were really well done and then they kind of all came back together for um, the finale, which was even more interesting because apparently this is something really interesting some of the episodes didn't make it into the first season for various reasons. So you actually got kind of spoilers for the show itself in the season finale. Cause there should have been other episodes showing like, what if this happened and we didn't see it and it's going to be in the second season. But for some reason, whatever it was, we don't <laughs> like, so it was like they were doing this whole thing and you're like, where did you come from? You weren't in the show at all. We didn't see you. Uh, it was very interesting and very interesting. And I thought it was very well done <laughs> aside from that one thing, but that was even more intriguing because I was like, huh? Um, so yeah, so I thought the sh- I mean, I loved, I love, love, love Loki. I enjoyed many parts of WandaVision. I think the, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I still like it, but I think that some stuff that people had hyped a lot, the theories kind of didn't turn out the same way that people were hoping. So I thought it was really good until that point where it diverged because the theories were just so good. So it's not a bad thing. It's just a different thing. Yeah, I thought the the end of WandaVision, I do think it's still a really interesting and quality show, but like a lot of the mm. stuff you kind of thought that they were doing, they weren't at all doing. So it kind of... It just felt like a, it just felt like a lot of red herrings. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of them weren't intended to be red herrings. They were just us, like... <laughs> glomming onto totally. things um 
But, See, I know. binged it, so I didn't have as much time between episodes to speculate. So I feel like this is the same thing. Like when I when I watched Lost, I always found that like when I watched it week to week, I you know there was all kinds of speculation and stuff. And then when you binge watch it, you don't have that speculation, and so you don't end up as disappointed when things don't go your way. <laughs> right. Uh, also, can I just say, I think it's really, really, really interesting that Disney Plus is sticking to this like episode of week thing because it is actually spurring conversation about different shows we saw with Mandalorian and now we see with the most of the, many of the MCU shows. I don't think like What If and like um, has gotten like as much weekly buzz. Yeah, no, but buzz. the water cooler uh, talk. Yeah, but it's really paid off. And I think like today... Like, The Great came out this weekend, and, you know, I'm already finished it, and I'll talk about it for this week, but I won't talk about it again. And I actually was surprised that Hulu had dropped it all at once, because the only other thing I watch on it, which I will talk about, is my next one. Um, or one of my next ones. Um, it's, it's, it, they drop it weekly, because it's aired on a different network that Hulu then shares. Um, so it has to air on the TV channel first. So that's weekly, but something like the great, which is a web series. I really actually, because of the Disney stuff, I was actually thinking, Oh, (laughs) even the great, which I hadn't watched originally as it aired the first time. Um, I really thought like, Oh, the the great will be a weekly thing. So just because I've watched so many Disney plus shows now, I've watched like monsters, Inc. ones too. You guys should check them out. They're hilarious. Um, (laughs) I was, I was kind of back into that old sense of like engaged viewership, week after week and I thought that was really interesting oh my god I I am so pro that model it's I mean I'm I'm partly biased like coming previously from a a coverage perspective um but I completely agree like it, it doesn't even matter like the, sh- the show can be really good and like it, it, it just evaporates from the conversation way faster I think that each of the Disney plus shows do something really well which is kind of each episode has a cliffhanger but it's not so a like annoying of a cliffhanger that if you binge watch it, you'll be annoyed because nowadays a lot of shows are kind of not like if they're all released at one go, the way that they write the episodes is different than traditional week to week shows. But I think that Mm -hmm. that the Disney plus ones of for the MCU have been really good at like self-containing per week, but also leaving something dangling. But still, if I watch it in one go, I'll enjoy it. Yeah. They feel like episodes of TV, not like, parts of a movie yeah i feel like there's just yeah. a, there's a lost in terms of serialization there's just they don't emphasize that that each episode should have you know its own arcs as well as building on the general arc um i feel like it's just you know serialization in tv is a relatively new thing and just writers aren't as good at it um so like they end up writing fractions of a story you know and that gets you know that and then they call it an episode but it doesn't feel like yeah like anything kind of complete um and yeah i wasn't going to even talk about babylon 5 but babylon 5 is very good impossible at giving you <laughs> giving you episodes that that contain you know an a b and c plot that all have their own you know individual arcs that get wrapped up within the episode but also uh building out into a larger arc most of the time um, and like, I feel like that is a, that is an art that not many current TV writers have mastered. Um, and I think that I chalk it up to it just being so new, um, that not a lot of writers have that kind of practice on it because you weren't trained to write that way. 
Um, and yeah, and so like a lot of the shows, including like Lost and stuff, they were all, you know, they were serialized, but they were making it up as they went along. And the idea of having, you know, a larger pre-planned arc and yeah, that you can work within uh, is, is a new thing. And a lot of shows are still just winging it when they should be planning better. Yeah, th- those are my thoughts. <laughs> and that's probably why it works so well for the MCU shows, because there is a larger plan that somebody somewhere apparently knows. Um, so each show probably yeah, has Kevin like something Feige. that they're Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> apparently, <laughs> this is like a side rant, but apparently um, Simulu went on uh, Fallon the other day, and apparently the actors aren't being told anything about any other movies or anything else going on because of yeah. Tom Holland. And he blamed Tom <laughs> Holland and, and Mark Ruffalo because they, yeah. <laughs> they spoil things too much. <laughs> that was so funny. Nicole, you said you wanted to talk about Loki, right? Yeah. Well, yes. okay. While we're while we're while we're pimping Disney Plus shows, I will also sneak in another recommendation, which is um, uh, Mighty Ducks Game Changers, which I thought was just you know obviously very much a kids show in points, but also just very charming, and it had kind of some of the the real like unpretentious energy of of the movies and yeah I, I quite enjoyed that um i don't think they're making a second season because emilio estevez will not get vaccinated so um word that i won't send this podcast to him um but uh yeah other than that uh loki um i thought i mean i love loki and also like one of the reasons i love loki was because i actually i sort of disagree like i feel like it had to be a movie because it was so talky I mean, uh, sorry, a TV show, because it was so talky. Like, they, they were time... I mean, almost every episode just had experiences where you would just sit and, like, talk about the psychology of Loki or the meaning of life <laughs> in a predetermined universe. And I was just like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe this exists. Like, this is the stuff that fan fiction is made of. And, like, it was so <laughs> beautiful to watch. And, you know, obviously, I'm I'm a huge sucker for Tom Hiddleston. Um, but... I mean, I, I yeah, I loved it. I also thought there were a lot of Jewish themes, like maybe less so as it, as things went on. But the the idea of kind of like debate with a higher power felt very Jewish to me. Um, <laughs> did, did you guys see the Eternals? Not yet. Not yet. Ditto. <laughs> I haven't seen anything since Black Widow in theaters. So okay. So so I mean, I I did see it, and I and even before then. Um, a lot of people were criticizing it because saying it was like a movie that a lot of stuff that doesn't feel like a Marvel film. And I think it's possibly because of what you just said, Michal, which is like the talky element because there's so much storytelling going on in the film because these are like a bunch of new characters we don't know. Um, so I actually yeah. did really, for all the haters, I really did enjoy the Eternals for what it was. I understand why people didn't like it. It's not a typical Marvel film, but it's kind of more like Loki in the regard that there's a lot of storytelling going on, world building that they now have to like incorporate in one year instead of like over like two decades of leading up between Iron Man one and Endgame. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, that's interesting because like I was concerned about the Eternals in in general before when it was just announced, you know, and you see the massive cast of new characters that they're introducing. And I was like, Marvel's not great at ensemble movies in general, in my opinion. Like, it took them a while to get to Infinity War and Endgame, which, you know, in my opinion, were the good ensemble movies. And like... Oh, we can fight about that another time, because the only ones I really like are the ensemble movies. 
Yeah, yeah. So, but they, like, so then you're introducing in an ensemble movie with none of these previously established characters. They don't. You, we don't know anything about any of them, and you're just you know going to throw them at at the screen at once. Um, and I was like, that's a very dicey proposition. So I wasn't surprised that it didn't go over super well, but I'm still you know curious about what it is. It's been so controversial that I'm really excited to see it because I'm like, I, I want to know where I fall on this. <laughs> I'm really curious where you guys fall because I think because the response was so bad, I kind of like went in like, okay, I'm gonna like it because like it's such a like I don't want it to bomb and it's like such a like because the it's like Chloe Zhao and the film is has like a very diverse cast. Like I don't want it to do badly because then it will become one of those things where it's like, oh, movies starring diverse diversity cast don't doesn't do well. work. It's all wokeness. <laughs> so stupid. That's not how it works, you idiots. Anyway, not you two idiots, <laughs> or our listener idiots, but like the haters and Hollywood yes. people who think that, who make, who unfortunately pay the, the bills. Yeah, no, Green Lantern recently hit Netflix and I'm like, hey, look, a man can't carry a superhero movie. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds can't carry a superhero movie, which is <laughs> yeah, shocking. Yeah, it's just like, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. It's really the writing there. So yeah, so I think, I think the ensemble... It, it is a lot, but I think because the the point of it is that the it's the ensemble. Like it's not like it's Iron Man and then you know Captain America and then the it, Avengers is kind of a one off in between all their stories um, and all of them are kind of leading to it. I think because the point of this is the team. Um, it felt like a lot of other like movies, kind of like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or <laughs> even like the Power Ranger movies. Um, I'm thinking of the most Power recent one, but it applies, but it applies <laughs> really like generally to any, like, movie. I thought it was much more successful than people thought it was. I thought it was really good. I thought good. it was fantastic. Um, I thought, I don't know yeah, what, I don't know what people were complaining about. <laughs> but yeah, I, this was not supposed to be a rant about how I liked the Eternals. I don't, I didn't love it. And I think on another watch in a few years, I'll probably like, oh, that's kind of boring. Uh, but I thought it, it, it did what it, it was trying to do, which was to create a really like larger than life story about these like immortal beings and introduce us to them as individuals but also as part of a group and show us the group dynamics and also their individual dynamics a little bit um and kind of open up this new era of uh, marvel and so i thought it worked but yeah, yeah. I, don't want I mean to it's just that's an enormous it's an enormous task and impossible yeah. yeah and like the fact that i came out not hating everything i thought that was a really <laughs> impressive thing like honestly there were things that I didn't like, like I thought I wish some characters got more screen time and stuff, but that was actually, like, I kind of walked out and me and my friend were just like, we enjoyed that. We didn't, like, we don't know what people were complaining about, except for the fact that there wasn't an action scene every five minutes, but if you want that, go watch, you know, Anything uh, Transformers. Else. But, yeah, <laughs> Literally, like, I'm not watching it. mostly action scenes. Yeah, I, I mean, like, you're really not watching. Like that one, but it didn't do well enough in the box office that people are still calling it a flop, but. Yeah. Which is crazy. It did better than Black I Widow. I thought Shang-Chi did really well at the box office, didn't it? Debut? Oh, yeah, no. it did. I don't know. It, I, I guess think it, it did pretty well. What people are saying in what bubbles you're in. <laughs> so yeah. I, I never think, know what's real I anyway. <laughs> it was pretty well received. I think that Eternals was less so, and I guess like people do watch Marvel films like less for the world building and more for the action, unfortunately. Which well, I think is unfortunate. Losers. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think like if you know that Chloe Zhao, who's the director of this, directed Nomad Land, like of course she's not gonna go, you know, the full I don't know, JJ Abrams. Um and so yeah. 
Okay, this is my unintentional Eternals rant. Go enjoy it, I guess. If you want <laughs> to it, that's fine too. Honestly, I've been Sorry. bored in some of the exciting Marvel movies, so I mean, I feel like I'm fifty-fifty. I find extended action sequences to be boring if they're not, you know, well choreographed and if the stakes aren't. Like, the first Avengers movie I thought was yeah. really boring because there there was so much pointless action where you know that, like, you know, these two heroes are fighting each other and, like, literally it doesn't matter who wins because neither of them are going to die and, like, they're obviously going to end up working together and, like, nothing matters. It was stupid. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I always enjoy movies where the Avengers fight the bad guys rather than each other, because I find fighting each other just so boring. Just check, there are no Avengers movies like that. <laughs> As to, no, Ultron is the only one that I really liked. They're because, still fighting each until, other. like in... Until Infinity War, um, I felt like Ultron was like the majority of the movie they spend fighting Ultron and not each other. Like, they argue, you know, a few times with each other, and there's, like, you know, one scene where they actually come to blows, but for the most part, they're very focused on fighting the bad guys, which is super refreshing, <laughs> and they actually feel like friends in that movie, as opposed to just, like, a bunch of random people who are forced to work together. <laughs> Not to get back to my, my faves, but you should watch What If, if you like Age of Ultron. <laughs> well, I wasn't a fan of Age of Ultron because of the because of the Ultron part of it. I was a fan because of the team dynamics part of it. You should still watch it. Of <laughs> yeah. course, I want to watch it. I want to watch all of these shows that just don't have Disney Plus, and I am not sure if I want to, you know, invest in yet another streaming service. No, that's fair. Steal somebody's. Steal you like your nephews or something. I use my sisters. With her I'm sure. Yeah, that's basically when when I watch Wandavision, I watched it with my sister who has access through somebody else who gave her access. You know, it's just a whole chain. <laughs> We're all tied up to Disney somehow. Monthly payments. <laughs> SM, what's your next? Uh, oh, my next up? is a kind of a, a a turn from all of this, uh, you know, sci-fi fantasy uh, superhero stuff. Um, Grey's Anatomy, I thought, did a really interesting season um, during COVID because a lot of shows they all had to decide what they were going to do if they were going to make the show set during covid or they were just going to continue as usual and not have you know any acknowledgement you know and like basically establish that this show is taking place in an alternate universe or an alternate time and it's you know covid doesn't exist in the tv world um and gray's anatomy decided to go all in on like showing what it was you know what it could be like as a uh as a as a hospital dealing with covid um and then even introducing, you know, the Black Lives Matter protests that happened, you know, during uh, the middle of 2020. Um, and it just feels like a real time capsule of a season that I feel like I remember when I was watching it, I was like, in 10 years, 20 years, they should watch this in like college classes and analyze, you know, what was 2020 like for people who were experiencing it? Um and there are just, like, some really cathartic moments of, like, there's, like, this conspiracy theorist who shows up at the hospital and he won't wear his mask properly and they keep asking him to do it. And he, then he's just like, well, how much they pay you for for each patient? And they're like, what? And he's like, well, I know you're all getting paid. I know COVID's not real. I know it's all, you know, it's all fake. And one of the doctors excuses herself and goes into the stairwell and is just like, What? 
what for like <laughs> for like two minutes as her own little scene of just like what um and it's very uh cathartic to watch uh somebody else you know like who has been dealing with this you know complete insanity um and the real impact that it has caused and then just to have these conspiracy theorists who just like refuse to believe in reality um and just it, it addresses you know a lot of different things in a lot of you know little ways like that um and it was just yeah like i understand you know like some people you know complained i remember seeing comments on uh their the facebook posts about it um like you know if i wanted you know to to hear about covid i would just watch the news i watch tv for my escape you know i don't i don't need this you know um but other people you know like me really appreciated seeing you know a fictionalized representation of what we're going through and now they're on their next season and they basically they have a disclaimer on every episode saying that um this is set you know in our hopeful future for post-pandemic life um but in reality, um, with the, the pandemic is still ravaging the country and healthcare workers uh, nationwide and worldwide. Um, and so, like, the characters are no longer, you know, wearing masks and all this stuff, you know, because it's, it's supposedly, you know, post-pandemic. But they, you know, very much acknowledge that, um, that it's, you know, a fictionalized fantasy. And, uh, yeah, everybody wear your masks, get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. I will say, I do think that that's, I mean, I feel like that's both sides of that are valid. Like, I do get people not wanting to, Mm -hmm. you know. um, Yeah. No, and so, like, I tell people, like, if COVID is triggering for you, you you probably don't want to watch this season right now, you know. Um, But if, you know, if it's something that, you know, you think would would speak to you, go for it. Um, it's, It's really interesting and powerful in a lot of different ways. Oh, no, I was just gonna say, like, in journalism, we saw, um, I think it's kind of leveled off now and normalized, but in the beginning of the pandemic, everyone was watching videos like obsessively and like, I'm saying watching news, but like they were, people were reading news stories more and like about the pandemic and how it was spreading. And you saw an uptick in actual, like um, literally the news of what's going on. Uh, but then like maybe three months into the pandemic, or maybe even faster than that. I'd have to actually like look at some numbers. Don't quote me. I don't have the exact numbers. I'm not a data analyst. Um, sudden, like relatively suddenly, all entertainment and culture writing got way more attention, and news dipped, and it was kind of just like people were sick and tired of COVID. And so, um, that's interesting how Grey's kind of handled that, which is like we're gonna, you know, do the newsy thing in the one season, and then the next season, which is like we're clearly all sick of this, move on. Yeah, if only we could. Yeah, I wish. I just want to press the fast forward button. Yeah, but I still want to work from home in my pajamas, so it's really conflicting. <laughs> well, on topic of things that are vaguely um, upsetting, I guess, real life things, um, but in a completely different genre, um, one of my obsessions, um, and I, I, I wouldn't say it's the same situation as USM because it wasn't like depression inspired, but like I, I did get one of my things that I always say is like I don't like real life, like I, I don't want to read about things that really happened or real people or whatever. Um, and then my boss at work was like, okay, everyone has to watch this show called The Terror, which came out in 2018, um, which stars Jared Harris uh, and 
Tobias Menzies and um, Kieran Hines and a lot of phenomenal lesser known actors who are just truly astonishing. Um, and it, the first season, I haven't watched the second season cause it's, it's sort of a different creative team and it's a different story, but the first season is about the lost Franklin expedition, which was a, uh, you know, back in, back in the 1850s or whatever, I think it was 1840s. Um, England didn't have a war to fight at the moment, so they they kind of had an exploratory corps. So they they sent all their <laughs> naval ships around the world, like searching for things. and And this uh, particular company was sent to the Arctic to find the Northwest Passage, um, which you know many people had done, and with disastrous consequences. Because um, it doesn't exist. No, it actually does. <laughs> I was surprised to learn it, it does. It does. They, they found they, it do, they, they do have North. I don't know how like important it is, but it it is it does exist. Um, yeah, I know that. I was also like, it doesn't exist, and then like they find it. I was like, oh, oh okay, cool. Um, Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is a fictionalized take. It's also based on a book called The Terror. Um, the two ships that they had uh, that they had sent on this mission were actually called the Erebus, which is like the river that, or the gate or something that leads into hell and the terror, um, which had actually fought at the battle of, uh, some of the battles of, uh, the war of 1812. Um, and it's a story about death. Um, the, the entire expedition, two full ships of men completely disappeared and we know very little about what happened to them. Um, they, they're, you know, there is some archaeological evidence that suggests that, like, eventually, you know, they've abandoned the ships and, and went to, uh, you know, and, and were walking for a long time and um, were dragging their, their boats with them. And they had, uh, you know, people were dropping dead of scurvy. And, uh, you know, the, by the way, I'm never making fun of scurvy again. Scurvy sounds like something you could make fun of these days. After watching the show, no. never again. Um, it's terrifying. I mean, from all um, the descriptions that I ever read in, you know, social studies class about all the the sailors who got scared. Yeah. No, 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 thank Yeah, not you. good, not good. Um, uh, you know, and, and it seems like they probably resorted to cannibalism at some point. And it, it's, 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 it's very grim, but it is a beautifully made show. And, like, my boss was completely right. Like, if you, if you can handle it, I 100% recommend watching it. It, it, it is kind of like novelized TV in a way that like you rarely see. And the acting is incredible, like absolutely incredible. Um, it's very respectful of the source material of the, like the history. Um, so like there are parts when they stick very close to the history and then there are parts where they kind of deliberately depart um, kind of for both dramatic, but also like keeping in mind that these were real people um, purposes. Um, there's an actor called Paul Reedy who's in it, who is, my favorite character. He's like one of my all, all time favorite characters. He's amazing. Um, but that kind of got me into like naval disasters. And also I kind of at some point was also reading mountaineering disaster books. <laughs> so like, I guess like disasters inspired by hubris. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Have you seen Chernobyl? Uh, so I, I've seen parts of Chernobyl. I haven't watched I, it, I but it basically sounds like it. that would be up your yeah, alley. Yeah, <laughs> I was, I was fascinated by the show, but I couldn't bring myself to watch like the episodes proper. Um, so I, I watched a lot of clips from it, but yeah, it is that kind of thing where I, I'm also like, I don't want, I don't want a thing where like, it also sort of ties into space a little bit. Um, but like, I, you know, I, I, I don't want like a whole, 
bunch of innocent people who died because, the, you know, I mean, obviously all these people are innocent, but there's an element of, like, you could have planned better or you didn't have to climb that mountain, <laughs> you know? And, like, that I, I kind of, you know, you have to pay a lot of money to die on Everest or K2 or, or some of these mountains. Um, so, so I, you know, I, I find that kind of combination very interesting. Um, I've been working on a book called The Madhouse at the End of the World, which is um, about a Dutch expedition that went to kind of discover the Antarctic. Um, and they had a better fate than the Franklin expedition, but kind of had similar experiences, you know, being stuck in eternal night and ice and snow for months and years. Um, and also dealing with scurvy. Yeah. So that, (laughs) that's, that's one of my things that I got into over the pandemic is hubris inspired human disasters. I can't imagine why anyone, you know, going through a pandemic yeah, right. <laughs> that is yeah, right. has been poorly planned and botched all the time. Uh, it does actually look so obvious when you put it that way. I'm like, yeah. here's a thing that's a disaster, <laughs> but we could have avoided it. <laughs> well, it, you kind of both, I mean, SM was like, let me figure out space and also the disasters that came across with the with the thing that was actually a success. Just disaster and, uh, all the time. <laughs> like, I mean, not everyone dies on the mountain. Just the disaster. Like, the guy who wrote, you know, John Krakauer wrote Into Thin Air, you know, but uh, man, that was... Also, you read Into Thin Air and then you're like, Everest is crazy. It's the craziest mountain ever. And then you, like, get into, like, reading about mountaineering and you're like, and, like, serious mountaineers are like, Everest is nothing. Like, that's <laughs> the easiest mountain. Like, you know. It's it, yeah, it's just tall. It just takes time, but I mean, it's not it's that tall. easy because there are some extremely dangerous <gasps> uh, risks. But like, I feel like there's this um this movie um it's it's not a disaster from what I understand. Um, it was a success, but um the movie Free Solo yeah. about some guy who wanted to climb the mountain without any gear or whatever, you know, and like do it freehand basically um and he did it and he had a documentary you know a documentarian following him which is like just the craziest thing because like if he died you know it would be on totally yeah and they were friends it wasn't like a random guy it was like a you know yeah um it's just like that's nuts yeah it was a very it was a very good documentary and they, they also include like multiple times like if you google mountaineers a lot of the time it's like oh they've died recently you know, yeah, it's 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 a it's a grim sport. Um, but people have. I'm also really interested in that thing. It's like the opposite of Great British Bake right, Off, right? Exactly. Because like when you Google the Great British Bake Off contestants, you find out all the wonderful things they've done with their lives. Yep. You know, and like it's so it's so nice. <laughs> oh, I felt so bad for Jurgen. Spoilers. <laughs> I haven't been keeping up. I need to watch it. Yeah, that was a huge spoiler. I, Huge spoiler! It just aired. Uh, take that out, JB. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by the no, by the time this comes out, it won't be a, a considered a spoiler anymore because it will have already. I don't know. Is this entire season a spoiler? A spoiler? Yeah, I some guess. people haven't watched it yet. I don't know. We don't have a clear don't spoiler policy. Yeah, I don't <laughs> back know. to you, Damar. <laughs> um, the next thing I'm also, I feel like a lot of the things I've, I've like it's not so many, but like the great. Um, and now this, The Expanse are shows that just like either recently have come out and this one, The Expanse is coming out on December 10th. So depending on when we drop this, I'll be ready and waiting to watch the It's the season. last season, right? Yeah, it's the last season. I really want to actually read the books because I feel like um, 
the show is definitely like TV-ish. And then there is also really great stuff that is not in the, in the, this show. I've read a lot of stuff because I was like, I don't understand this thing. It's like, Oh, this is more clear in the books or this is, you know, they, they changed this plot a little bit, but it was really good at the show. Anyway, the, if you, if you're not aware, yeah, my dad has read the books. He has not watched the show. You should watch it. Uh, anybody who's not familiar with the expanse of society. Yeah, I watched one, the first season, and it just you know it it, it didn't grip me enough to want want to watch the next season. I have it been gets told. so yeah. much better, but also like you need the first season. Uh, so if you're not familiar, the expanse is a sci-fi drama. I was going to call it a space opera, but it's not really it's a space, space drama. Opera. <laughs> uh, it's like a space opera, but serious. So it's a, it's a drama. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just a sci-fi drama. Um, and it was originally on sci-fi and then went to Amazon and it's now, um, about to air the sixth season. And the show is really like lofty in the way that it really intensely builds the like universe. Um, the plot is essentially that, um, the expanse is any part of the universe beyond earth and Mars and the colonies that help Mars get water and earth get water from the expense. Um, and it's, it's like, there's a lot of stuff about colonization and like, um, independence because Mars is, even though it's its own planet, it's sort of a colony of the earth because of course the earth is the only planet that they have access to with water. Um, so there's like all these things about like mining in deep space for ice to bring back to Mars. It's this whole thing. And you think the show is going to be like about this cold war, and then it gets crazy and like aliens sort of show up and it's just really intense and it gets really trippy, but also is really grounded and the characters just really grow really well. There's a lot of really kick-ass women, like really the best women I've not, maybe not the best women I've ever seen in like sci-fi classic sci-fi. Cause of course, like, you know, Star Trek has some great ones also, uh, but just like really enjoyable. I found a lot of really good actors I had never either known about or ones like, I never really thought of like Stephen Strait as, as like a supremely great actor. And he's one of the lead guys. And I just, I don't know. I just love, I love, you know, Abba Sarala, who's just like, uh, she's, she's a character played by, uh, Shora, I'm going to ruin her last name. I, I dash She it. has a, a very distinctive voice. She's amazing. I just think that, like, the show is really engaging, and I have a lot to think about afterwards. They, they did just have to change a huge plot point because one of the actors has been accused of sexual assault. Um, oh, man. And maybe Which several one? other things. Um, he's not... He's I mean, he's a main one, but... Um, it's uh, the guy who plays Alex Kassanvar. Um, he over apparently over thirty. I just pulled up the Wikipedia. Over thirty. Um, there are over thirty allegations of sexual harassment and assault made against oh him, and that came right as they were, I think, about to air. So they were still finishing up the second, the the penultimate season, so season five. And it aired on December, I'm just looking at the Wikipedia now, it aired on December 15th, the first episode, and he was accused in June 2020. So, Sorry, he was accused in June 2020, and it aired December 2020. So pretty much they had to make a really intense decision about what they were going to do with it as the allegations were being investigated. And they decided, ultimately, we're getting rid of him. And so he's no longer, he's not going to be in the sixth and final season. 
and the book and the character, what they do to get him off the show. It's not what happens in the book at all. So the show is definitely like inspired by the book and a lot of things are the direct plots, but they definitely grow the characters differently and pull different characters in to show different storylines and stuff. So I don't, I haven't read the book, so I don't really know how close, but I know that there is a discrepancy. Um, but it's, it's like won a lot of awards, but it's kind of under the radar. So I just wanted to kind of like tell everyone to go watch it because it's really good. And I really did not expect to enjoy it because nobody I know is talking about it. And I'm like, what? Why is nobody talking about this? Everyone I know should be really into this show. Yeah, I mean, it's just a part of why I didn't get into it at the time is just, you know, it's, it's very dark and gloomy, those yeah. kind of thing, you know, and like, I, you know, I needed lighter things at the time. And it wasn't, you know, what I wanted. There's happy moments, but it's not a happy show. It's kind of very much, I think maybe I was drawn into it because I was spent most of the pandemic hating humanity. And this definitely is like a lot of <laughs> stupid, stupid problems that nobody like anybody who's a decent human could fix, but humans are not decent. So there's, of course, tons of thousands of problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you want a lighter version, um, <laughs> I can recommend Babylon 5. <laughs> if you like the, the world building and if you like the, you know, it doesn't it doesn't have as as much of the, the craziness and it doesn't, you know, it's it's not it's not gritty. It does get dark at times, but it's never gritty. Um, and yeah, and it's, two it's, you know, beasts. obviously the production value is not going to be nearly as as high because it was made, you know, in the 90s with 90s CGI and whatnot. But um, yeah, like the, what you were saying about like the Mars political situation, like there's very similar stuff going on with Babylon 5. Um, yeah, lots of different things. People have recommended The Expanse to me. They're like, it's like Babylon 5. And I was like, except not. It's not because, <laughs> I mean, Babylon 5 is innately about like aliens and and the expanse does get aliens eventually sort of it's confusing um but but like the show is about humans it's about humanity and it's like at the best because we're in the future and we've colonized you know mars and people like and not just colonize like there are cities there and stuff like people live on mars it's its own it's its own essentially there's two countries and it's earth and mars and that's the cold mm -hmm. war um and that's the plot and that's the beginning where the story begins. And then it kind of gets kind of crazy and you find out like some other stuff goes on. And then that's where the aliens sort of come in. Sort of. The aliens are really a sort of, it's really about humans. So I think it's, it's not, it's not obviously Babylon five is, you know, obviously old sci-fi. Yeah, so there's definitely a lot of, you know, aliens on Babylon five. And a lot of it is about, you know, culture clash between alien civilizations and, you know, and, and diplomacy between that, you know, but there's also, there's also a lot of internal earth stuff that doesn't have to do with aliens. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not, you know, it's not the same show, obviously, you know, and it's, they're very different in, in terms of tone and in terms of structure and, you know, and yeah. Um, but certain certain elements. I just really hope that all our listeners chorused Babylon Five when you said this. <laughs> so much Babylon Five. <laughs> yes, that is another thing. They are rebooting Babylon Five, and I have no idea what he's going to be doing with it. But like the stuff that he's written on Twitter has made me hopeful. Because um, like some people, like fans, are like, I'm concerned that they're going to, you know, do all sorts of things that aren't. Um, that aren't, you know, in the spirit of Babylon 5, you know, like, uh, lots of sex and, uh, unnecessarily young actors and blah, blah, blah. And, and J. Michael Straczynski would, would retweet, would, would reply to tweets like that with like, why is someone else writing it? 
because <laughs> like, he would not do that um and he's like pretty much going to have um sole creative control over most of what's going on and so that's that's uh it's exciting and i don't know what to expect but i'm looking forward to it whenever it happens cool cool well i've heard only pretty much universal accolades about the expanse and it's been very much one of the shows that like my my game of thrones friends have all gotten into and 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 books um yeah yeah it did feel like game of thrones in space when i started watching it <laughs> uh, yeah and i think it's it's probably uh, it's honestly it's like if we're going with the game of thrones metaphor it's like how game of thrones spent so much of its time avoiding the magic like of the books, like really, like the show spent a lot of time trying to be like, we're not going to address like what the White Walkers are and like where the dragon, like all, like the connection to the dragons and all the magic. We're just going to like have them there as if that's like na- nature and ignore the fact that like magic exists in this world until like we have to. Um, the Expanse does not avoid it, and I or it doesn't avoid like the weirdness of like space and aliens. Um, and so I think it's kind of a more successful representation of kind of like the otherworldliness that. Game of Thrones kind of avoided for a lot of time. Like, yeah, I could talk about that for hours. But anyway, the books, Game of Thrones has a lot more magic than the show, obviously. And throwing it over to USM, what's what's your number four? Oh, I don't even know. I, I don't have uh, numbers on any of these. But um, <laughs> oh, just the next one, one thing that are... I wanted. Yeah, so I'm just like thinking of like one of the things I wanted to talk about um, that wasn't, it's not exactly a, you know, it's not a fandom thing, but it's like a personal project sort of thing that like was an obsession for a significant portion and um, I'm hoping to uh, finish it up um, at some point soon. Um, I decided at one point because of the way that Facebook has modified certain features, um, including the note feature on um yeah, you know, they they used to have this great note feature that was basically like if you wanted to write a blog post and you wanted to include, you know, normal formatting and and whatever, um you were able to write a note. And the the features on the notes have been slowly changing and then they completely discontinued it. But I used to write Facebook notes all the time, um not all the time, but like I would write, you know, at a clip of, you know, approximately once a month if I had anything that I really wanted to to write and talk out and it, they were you know it was basically my blog um and a lot of people at the time really vibed with the things that I was writing and um I met a lot of people through it people sharing my stuff around um and it was just you know that kind of you know very mild internet famousness um and it was nice and people really liked my writing and I, you know, there's it, often it comes up um, when I, in conversations, you know, certain questions that people, that people, you know, just ask about life and, and, and stuff, you know, and people are talking about things and I just, and often I, I'm like, well, I have a note for that, you know, because I have so many different topics that I had addressed and that I had talked about my, my thoughts about and, um, and I, I would often link, link to them and, when Facebook discontinued stuff, it became really difficult to find them. Um, and just like people who want to read them, it's very difficult for them to read them. And if I want to share them, it's very difficult for me to share them. So I decided that I was going to turn them into a book. Um, because at this point, making a book and self-publishing a book is easier than 
having some kind of Facebook archive, <laughs> which is the most 2021 thing ever. But um, yeah, uh, I got some software. I don't know if you've ever heard of um, Affinity, but they make uh, they make uh, design software and like photo software and stuff you know instead of using adobe um and getting a subscription to adobe you can download this kind of stuff and they have one that works very well for laying out books um and i did some you know experimenting and figuring out um and i collected i went through all of my archives it's <laughs> a very big job i went through tons of my old writings um and where certain things had had appeared on other websites and then uh those websites are now defunct and i could only find them with like the wayback machine and like i would dig up i i went through a deep dive into like all the things i writ i'd written um and published online from you know two two 2009 until 2020 um, and I collected them all in a Google Doc, and I was like, in the beginning, I thought this was, you know, maybe this would be enough material for one, you know, one reasonably sized book. But the Google Doc ended up being over 500 pages, and I was like, this is probably not going to be uh, one book. So I decided to split it into two, and I formatted, um, I, I split them into different, uh, different thematic sections, um, and so I have two tables of contents uh, where it was like, you know, if you, for the pieces are listed in order, but if you want to do them thematically, I have a thematic table of contents also. Um, and just like different topics of, you know, like uh, Judaism and uh, family and relationships and uh, school education and um self-image and all kinds of stuff, you know, that I had written about. And I basically, you know, categorized them as best I could. Um, and I formatted them and I laid them out. Um, and I did volume one is my college years and volume two is the post-college years, which in some ways I feel is like even more, uh, was like kind of even more important for me to, to be able to put out there because I feel like there's, I wrote about I wrote a little intro for each one um and like I I feel like there's you know just an acceptance in society that like during college you're trying to you know figure stuff out and it's okay to be lost and confused and to not have stuff figured out and you know to you know be exploring and experimenting the way that I was in in these notes um and but after college there's just kind of like you're you're an adult now and like you should have things figured out. Um, and I decided, you know, that like, I really wanted to make sure that people get to read about, you know, somebody out, out of college also still searching and, and figuring things out and trying to make sense of the world that we live in. Um, and yeah, so I have, I have them laid out. And I, I am basically all that's left is the afterward for the second volume. <laughs> and, um, that's like the, where am I now? And I, you know, started writing it and I just kind of put it aside because that's a big monster of a question. <laughs> and I don't know quite exactly if I'm, you know, figuring out how to answer it. And I was going to 
you know, divide it into the different thematic sections and address each one. Um, so I like, have plans for this afterward, but I haven't finished it yet. Um, and I have a friend who does cover art and hopefully once I finish, I, you know, will, uh, employ her services, um, to make me some kind of awesome series covers for these. And, um, and then probably it'll end up being self-published on Amazon at some point. And probably nobody except, you know, for my friends and family will buy it, but that's really okay. <laughs> um, but I did share it with an author friend of mine. He was, uh, I wasn't sure what he would think of it, but he, uh, he read the first volume and, um, he was very impressed and he actually asked me, uh, based on, you know, having read my writing, he asked me to write a short story for an anthology that, um, is hopefully going to be, uh, launched on Kickstarter next year. Um, so yeah, um, it's an, it was an interesting project and it took up, you know, a lot of my time and, and energy, but it was, uh, it was really enjoyable to, to go through like my life <laughs> for the past 10 years and just get little snapshots here and there, um, and just put them all in one place and be able to trace the patterns in my thoughts from, you know, the beginning of a decade to the end of a decade and how like the things that I was struggling with in the beginning, I, you know, still struggling with in different ways, you know, later on, it just feels like, you know, repeating motifs, you know, and I didn't plan it that way. It's just, you know, those are the things that come up for, for you again and again. Um, yeah. So I guess, yeah, I don't know. It's not really a fandom thing, um, but it's, you know, it's a personal project thing and it's a, uh, it's its own kind of art. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to mention very, that very here. Cool. Writing is a fandom thing. 100% agree. <laughs> Even if it's not fiction, although there is some fiction. Like, there's, like, interspersed, there's fiction, there's poetry, there's song lyrics. Like, there's everything that you would find on, you know, your average <laughs> teenager's blog. <laughs> although it went, it went, yeah, from my late teens through my 20s, basically. Very cool. Very cool. Um, that's awesome. And I'm sure we'll have links when that is yeah, available. Yeah, it might be a, it might be a while, you know. But it's uh, it's it's on the back burner, but it's it's still very much there. Yeah, you were like, oh, only my friends and family will read it, will buy it, and I was like, well, what about our own? Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I could say something about like how they're <laughs> part of my family, but I'm not going to be, you know, That's parasocial so relationships are very fraught, and I don't want to, you know, encourage, you know excessive attachments <laughs> <laughs> uh, well um as for my yeah uh, also i should say these aren't ranked i just kind of was popping around my list just, yeah um okay. this is the dark histories podcast that i was i was trying to think of like a podcast that i really got into over the pandemic and i'm i'm 90 percent sure that this i did only start listening during the pandemic um, I have a, 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 a thing where I like supernatural and conspiracy and stuff like that podcasts and, and learning about that kind of stuff. Um, kind of, it's similar to the disaster thing. Um, but a lot of podcasts are very difficult to, uh, I, I, I find it very hard to, to get the right balance of like, I would like to enjoy the scary story that you're telling me, please. Um, 
but also I don't want you to be like, and this is therefore proof that aliens exist and have kidnapped multiple people from Earth, which corresponds to the other evidence that we have from our other podcasts that we did that isn't really the same, but we're just drawing connections to nothing. It's a very specific podcast that I'm thinking about. Um, quite a famous one, actually, <laughs> that does that. And um, I was kind of sick of it, but I, I really did want you know, I, I like, there are a lot of weird historical stuff that, like, things that, that, that are really interesting to learn about. So anyway, uh, enter the Dark Histories podcast. It's by a guy called Ben, who does really exacting and, like, detailed research um, on all of his topics. A lot of them are very obscure things. Some, some of them are, like, the more famous stuff that, like, you might have heard of, like, certain, like, famous haunted asylums or whatever, um, or, or murder cases. But um, he... He does really great research. When he's doing a supernatural topic, he'll definitely give space to that. Like he'll he'll kind of describe the way it was recorded and happened, or or is said to have happened. And then he'll kind of be like, "Well, you know, I, I you know, some people at the time said it was probably more likely that this happened, or there were suspicions about this." Um, and then kind of he'll he'll do a little after show where he'll kind of share his thoughts. So I feel very much like you get to enjoy the scary or supernatural or conspiracy part of it without, you know, with with, with a dose of skepticism that is fair-minded um, and does not kind of detract from from either side of those things. Like you, you don't you don't feel like you're inducted into a, secu- a, a, a you know conspiracy party when, <laughs> when you've like listened to these these episodes. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of really interesting topics that I'd never heard of. Um, like a lot of like witch trials and like, actually, let me, let me pull up the podcast and just look at some of them. Like his, his most recent episode is called the New York press and the headless torso mystery. (laughs) And like, it's, it's that kind of thing. Like there's one about like, there were a, a series of murders in Cleveland, like where like torsos were just turning up all over the place. It was crazy. And like, I'd never heard of this before. Um, there's, there's, you know, uh, people who, like, just ran off and did piracy. You know, Albert Hicks, the Pirate King of New York, is is one of the episodes. Um, a lot about spiritualism. Um, it's, it's, it's honestly really, um, interesting. And I, and I, if, if you have any kind of interest in that, um, like, I, I would, I would definitely recommend it. He plays kind of creepy music in the background and, like, uh, it, it, it gets you interested without, you know, again, without having to, to buy the whole kit and caboodle of um, whatever he happens to be talking about. So it was also the first time I learned about um, the Japanese, I forget what it was called, but there was a really horrific program that they had um, uh, that were they were just basically torturing people, um, like mostly, I think, Mongolians and um, Chinese natives. It was during World War II, um, and it was kind of and it was covered up for a very long time and it's it's honestly still very hard to cuz you know the government doesn't want to really acknowledge that that happened but yeah so i definitely recommend that podcast and it it was something that i very much felt especially in the early days of the pandemic that i could really indulge in like that that being scary without and 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 kind of not focus on like real life being scary so it, it was very much a relief for me also he has a ton of episodes he has like five seasons of like 20 episodes each so um, lots to listen to. So, and Japanese, his editor is what you're <laughs> I think he does it by himself. Producer. <laughs> He's, uh, yeah. Rather than editor. 
No, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jamie's the best. Yes, let's not I'm insult sorry, Jamie. I'm sorry, it's midnight here. Jamie I can't play with the Yeah, I, but as far as producing goes, I think he does it himself. I'm not sure, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so tomorrow, last round. Let's do it. Like getting back into the swing of things. Uh, but mine, I guess mine kind of is good to go off of Michal's kind of creepy thing, but my thing is not at all real. Um, it's what we do in the shadows, which you can watch on Hulu. Or I've heard such good things about um, that. Oh, have you seen the movie or only the show? So I haven't actually watched the movie. Uh, so oh the my movie... god, I've only seen the movie. I haven't seen the show. So the movie but, isn't. Oh my god, I love the movie. The movie isn't on any it's streaming Taika platform. Waititi. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So the I like Taika Waititi, and he um, the show the movie isn't on any streaming platform for free. So I will get around to watching it one time. Uh, but the show is available on Hulu, which I have access to. So that's kind of how I started watching it. Uh, but pretty much he made this satirical vampire docu-series. Uh, d- sorry, the film is a docu-film, and the series is, like, continuing that kind of ridiculousness. Uh, but instead of the film, which takes place in New Zealand, the series takes place in Staten Island, and the whole concept is you have a bunch of vampires who get who live in Staten Island, and they're pretty, you know, Staten Islandy, And they get told by, like, the vampires of the old country, like, why haven't you conquered the new country yet? And, and this is, like, 20... <laughs> this is, like, I think the show began in, like, 2018 or something. Or maybe 29. I don't remember what the first year is. Um, and, like, so essentially like, it started pre-pandemic, and they've continued, but the pandemic doesn't really... They haven't mentioned it at all. I guess, like, because vampires wouldn't notice I mean, it they're also. dead, so they well, can't catch COVID. They have a familiar <laughs> who's human! Um, but So he could, but I think they... Oh, they had that in the in the movie. Is his name Stu? No, his name is Guillermo. <laughs> Um, and Guillermo's amazing. Uh, the whole cast is really wonderful. Uh, they sometimes bring in the vampires who were in the movie. So, like, I, they, like, there's, like, a wink, wink, nod, nod kind of situation going on here. Um, but it's, it's mostly based on the ones in Staten Island. And it's just really funny, and it's just, like, the whole concept, like, sometimes, like, there's a really funny episode where they're, like, they, they end up trying to take over, like, a, um, a town hall and like take over the local like board members positions and they're just ridiculous <laughs> and because it's like Staten Island you're like oh this is not worth the energy sorry I Island <laughs> <listeners>. <laughs> um but like there's just really funny stuff like there. there's this one episode <laughs> it's so funny I just like I'm thinking of this they they get invited to a Super Bowl game and they think it's a superb owl party Oh my oh, god! Amazing. Is that why I've been hearing "superb owl"? I've heard the "superb owl" jokes, but I didn't know that they had used them in that show. It was a whole episode, so they think that they're going to like this party that's like praising, that's like in awe of this amazing owl, and they're just like the whole time they're at the Super Bowl party and just like, so when's the owl coming? And the guests are the, the humans, their neighbors are just like. What owl? Like it does. It's really ridiculous episode, um, and it has some. That episode actually has some uh, ramifications for later in the show. But so yeah, so the latest season just came out. Uh, the fourth season. Yeah, season four just. Um, or was it season three? It was season three. Hold on. I'm really clearly know what I'm talking about. Um, oh, season three just <laughs> season three just aired. Um, I I just rewatched it, even though I watched it only during the pandemic. I really enjoy it. Um, there will be a season four, and so, like, they kind of did, like, this really 
crazy cliffhanger at the end of season three. I just think it's really funny. It's like, I love mockumentaries in general, and I love, like, vampire stuff. Like, I grew up on, obviously, like, Buffy and Charmed and everything, so, like, I like the supernatural, so, like, this is just... But it's, like, absurdist. Like, I told my mom loves, like, sitcoms and stuff, and I was like, Mom, you should watch it, but, like, never tell me you've watched it, because there's some, like, really intense sexual stuff, and I'm just like, I don't want to know my mom has watched this at all. <laughs> um, but it's, it's aside from, it's like, but that's like, like one of, like one of my heart. These are the vampires, for reference. One of them is like a conqueror from essentially like Persia, or I guess like the Ottoman Empire. One of them is a Romani vampire who grew up in like the shithole of, of shtetls. One of them is a, like, um, think of Shakespeare, but if he was turned into a vampire and became a famous porn actor. And, <laughs> and then, like, and then they also live with their, like, Guillermo the Familiar, and who's human, and there's something more to him that you find out later on in the show. And they also live with an energy vampire, and an energy vampire is somebody who talks to you about boring things and drains you of all your energy because he's so boring. Amazing. And that's the concept. <laughs> um, and so the, that's like the intro to the five of them. And it's just a really ridiculous show. Um, there is only one woman vampire that they introduce early on and then they later inter- introduce more people. But like, it's very funny. It's really ridiculous. Oh, they do have, I guess... Um, Beanie Feldstein is in the first season for, like, a few episodes, and, like, oh, it's her. really ridiculous what they do with her, like, really, really ridiculous, and you're, and I think it was one of her for earlier, um, like, one of her earlier roles, um, so, yeah, so, like, because it, it started around 2019, so I guess they filmed it, I guess, around the same time as Lady Bird, um, Maybe? I don't know. I have no sense of time. Don't listen to me. I'm sorry. I'm really tired. Time isn't uh, real anymore. <laughs> time when, isn't real. It's well, in, in what we do in the shadows, it's not real because they're thousands-year-old vampires. Yeah. So. Oh, man. In the, in the original, they're just, you know, they're in New Zealand and they're they're flatting together because they're New Zealand. Um, and one of them is, is uh, the vampire who lives in the basement is Peter and he is <laughs> there's an apartment meeting that they're having and they're like Peter's not here are we waiting for Peter and they're like no Peter is 8,000 oh years God, old we're not waiting so for funny. Peter when you see him yeah. for the first time that was so funny <laughs> I love that movie well if I could piggyback off this again <laughs> to just sneak in something else I enjoyed over the <laughs> pandemic another Hulu slash yes. Taika Waititi uh, thing was uh, Reservation Dogs um a show about um, indigenous teenagers on their reservation and kind of plotting to get off the reservation. It's it's very um, it's very funny, very sad, and has more supernatural stuff in it than I remotely anticipated. Um, the cast is extremely charming, and highly highly recommend checking that out. Sorry, this is like you guys had yeah, five, and I had like cool. it's, it's on Hulu again. <laughs> No, yeah. it's good. Is, is it, um, yeah, it's on Hulu. Yeah. Okay, so I will have to. If Hulu wants to sponsor a subscription for SM, please <laughs> yeah. reach out to us. We will yes, please let me know. Contact us. We will do Hulu ads. Nice Jewish fangirls at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah, well, there's Hyflix. Hyflix <laughs> is the Jewish Netflix. That's really. I actually I have a subscription to Hyflix, and I remember scrolling through it. I haven't actually watched anything on it, but I remember scrolling through it, and I was being like, 
wow, everything is Jewish. This is kind of awesome, you know? And it was like, I didn't realize how much, you know, it's like we don't realize we live in a Christian hegemony until we are faced with the possibility of not. And then it's like, wow, (laughs) this is so cool. This must be what, like, regular people feel like when they're scrolling through and how, like, this actually relates to their lives. (laughs) Well, I actually, I feel I might drop the ball on Michal's next thing. I don't know if you were going to say it. I really thought you were going to talk about Midnight Mass. No, I'm not going to talk about Midnight my Midnight Mass because I didn't like Midnight Mass. Oh, you were like <laughs> raging about it all over Twitter. No, I thought you it loved was so it. boring. There were more soliloquies than characters. <laughs> it was like... I only watched my <laughs> tiny diversion. Sorry. Listen, we're giving you guys a really, uh, like, a supersized episode for our return. Um, but... Oh, it's not Mike Flynn. Sorry, it's uh, Mike Flanagan. Sorry, I d- I've did done that more than once. Um, Mike Flanagan is the only real horror creator who like whose TV stuff I can watch. Like, I I really liked the the Hill House and the Bly Manor shows. Um, they were also actually sort of that kind of same. I would like to escape into something scary, so I don't have to think about current scary. But they're very emotional and just very well done stuff. Um, see our previous episode on. Uh, horror with Avishai Weinberger for more on this. Um, yeah, it really, it's an really awesome was. Episode. Um, I should tell you guys what Avishai's up to. It's very cool. He, He's yeah. winning like every yeah. award. We're gonna be like, how we know him. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm in the minority here because a lot of people really loved Midnight Mass. I think including Avishai, actually. I was, maybe I watched it too late at night, but like, it was definitely compelling. But, like, the beginnings and ends of episodes were compelling, and then they would just start talking. What is it about? Because I've about vaguely existence. heard about this, but it's I don't know anything. Oh, sorry, I totally, like, derailed no, no, no. this because I was like, it's totally cool. Like, be uh, Michal is happy to have yeah, something else. It's, it's, uh, it's about, about. A, a, a convict, an ex convict who returns to his uh, isle- small remote island town home in New England, and creepy stuff starts to happen when a new priest enters the fold, um, which is not actually oh, what the show is about, but that's the, the pitch for it. So. You, you learn about, like, the third or fourth episode, what the show is actually about, and you're like, oh my god, that's what this is about? Okay. <laughs> yeah. This is not what I signed up for, but okay. It's I'm not here. bad. It's not bad. I, I just didn't, I didn't vibe with it. Anyway, enough of my uh, diversion number 67. Um, SM, what is your fourth, uh, fifth? Okay, so my final uh, one, um, I figure we're doing, we're on our last round. Um, My last one, uh, cooking um, is a fandom, right? So, like, I've gotten really good at certain things over the course of the pandemic, as most people probably have. Um, And I, in particular, I am very good at making Duncan Hines cakes. I... Um, went through pretty much all the options that my local supermarket had um, to find the best one. Um, And I have concluded, after extensive research, you're welcome, that the best Duncan Hines cake is the Butter Golden Cake, and the best brownies are the Triple Chunk Chocolate Brownies. And I 
highly recommend making them if you haven't because it's so easy. I didn't even realize how easy it was because I my mom always made cakes from scratch, so I just, you know, never really realized how many more steps it is. <laughs> and it's so many fewer steps when you have a box mix and it's also delicious. Like I love my mom's cakes. They're amazing and I'm not trying to insult them or anything. Um it's just if I'm making a cake myself, <laughs> um, I do not have the patience or a mixer. So I just uh, throw the ingredient, you know, the mix and, you know, a couple eggs and water and oil in a bowl and then like just mix it up with a spatula and poof, I have a cake. Well, after I bake it, of course. And it's really difficult to, you know, overbake a Duncan Hines cake for whatever reason. They're made of magic. So, um, yeah, I uh, had a really good time experimenting with all of those. Um, and I also got really good at making quiches. Um, I've made a whole bunch of different kinds of quiches. A lot of them were improvised based on, like, I have one quiche recipe from my mom. It's a tuna quiche that we always make for Yuntif for uh, dairy lunches. What's and in your tuna quiche? I've never heard of anyone else who has a tuna quiche. I wonder if our parents have the same recipe. I don't know. I could send you the recipe sometime. Um but I uh, I got really good at making that tuna quiche, and then I modified the recipe, you know, to try and, you know, have other things. So I've experimented with putting, you know, meat in instead of, you know, cheesy things, and I've experimented with different vegetables. And, yeah, as long as you, you know, throw together the stuff with enough, you know, milk and uh, binding agents and whatever, and eggs and everything, it, it works out. And... So I like uh I like making quiches though. I just don't make the crusts. So sometimes I make the quiche crustless and other times I just, you know, don't make any quiches until I have restocked my pie crusts in the freezer. Um and I also because the pandemic um resulted early on in, you know, total isolation from pretty much everybody and, you know, I wasn't able to go any place for Shabbos. I got really good at making uh chalent. Um, and just like experimenting with, you know, different kinds of spices that I liked with my chalent and I, um, and different kinds of meats and what they taste like in the chalent. And so I have, uh, I'm still experimenting, honestly, like every time I make the chalent, I do different spices. <laughs> like I, I have like some of the same spices and then I'm like, what if I add this this time? Um, and yeah, so I, I got a crock pot, uh, fairly early on maybe even before the pandemic started i don't remember um but i uh i started experimenting and learning uh, <laughs> when i realized that like oh i'm sp when i put a crock pot liner i'm supposed to put water um on the you know in the actual pot and put the liner in afterwards so there's water to keep it from burning and sticking to the sides and i was like that's a life changer um but yeah, even if you don't know what you're doing, you can probably come up with something edible in a crock pot, which is pretty cool. Um, in general, I always I think I've mentioned this about like cooking shows and competition shows and what I find really affirming about them is that it shows that like even under like the most ridiculous circumstances where you're deprived of, you know, this ingredient or that ingredient and, you know, proper tools or anything like I'm thinking cutthroat kitchen where, you know, sometimes you end up having to make every, all of your utensils out of tinfoil, <laughs> um, but whatever it is, you know, and you, you generally come out with something that's edible. And so like, 
you can do a lot of experimenting with cooking and generally come out with something that's edible. Um, and yeah, so I've, uh, I've done a few, uh, some of that and it's, uh, it's nice to be able to know that you have a few things that you can cook that you will, you know, probably you can, you can pretty much eat whenever you want and, uh, uh, not starve. So that's, a that's helpful. That is a plus, <laughs> and those things all sound very delicious. There's something yeah. very empowering about cooking. Yeah. Yeah. You should definitely, yeah. we should do an episode on just, like, creating things that don't take brain power. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, like, all my things. <laughs> um, cool. Phone games. Phone games are my other thing. Oh, if yeah. I had one more thing on my list, I would just say that, like, I really, I recently got into phone games because, um... My Me phone, too. my last phone didn't have any room on it, so I didn't have any memory, couldn't have any games on it. Like, I could have one game, and then I would finish the game, and then I would have to delete it if I wanted to get another game. Uh, but now I can put a bajillion games on my phone, and it's great. Some of them <laughs> are Star Trek games, of course. <laughs> they don't have Babylon 5 games, but if they did, I, I would be I should have talked so about my whatever. You guys, I've been playing this game that I'm trying to be an empress in China, but mostly I'm just stuck as a royal <laughs> It's, we believe it in must you. be because you're white. No, I, it's because I'm not paying for it because I won't. I won't tell, <laughs> and I refuse. I, I know. The, yeah, they're always like the the top ranks always seem yeah, to, pay. to yeah. be limited to people who are willing nope. to fork over the money, and I'm just not. Uh, Michal, how about your last thing? Yeah, so my last thing, I've actually saved one of my favorites for last, which is um, the memoirs of Lady Trent by Marie Brennan. Um, these were these are books that are basically like. The Lizzie Bennet Dragonologist is kind of the best way that I can explain it. Oh, um, yeah, cool. it's, it's, I mean, it's the wrong time period because it's, it's Victorian, not Regency, but like basically a Lizzie Bennet character, um, you know, kind of, she, she lives in a world where, um, dragons are, are real biological creatures and I'm always a sucker for that. Um, and she is a Victorian, alternate Victorian lady who wants to, uh, you know, study dragons. And it's it's about her expeditions and her her marriage and her life. And, you know, it's, it's written with really incredible, like, I mean, just, like, archaeological detail. And, like, you know, she'll, she'll go into things where, you know, she's like, I, I was really sure that this was the correct theory of, of why there are different species of dragons and, like, you know, the taxonomy of it and, like, all of the, like, really scientific-sounding stuff and, like, you know, real science, um, theoretically. And um, and then she'll be like, but that, it turned out, that was a completely wrong theory. And just, you know, the the characters are great. Her, you know, it's it's very kind of um, adventure of manners, you know, in, in kind of the same way that, like, a, a Sherlock Holmes or a Victorian, you know, adventure novel would be. Um... And I, yeah, I just, I devoured them. I like, I bought the first book because I, I had heard about it for a long time and I put off reading it because it was one of those books that I was like, I should have written this. I'm not reading this. <laughs> um, and then I got over <laughs> myself. Um, but I only bought the first one because I was like, I don't know if I'm going to want to read like five books, like whatever. I plowed through them. And then I read the additional extra book about her granddaughter that came out. Like, I it, you know, I just really... I, I love these books. Um, and they are also a, a really interesting wrinkle. Um, one of the ways in which the world is kind of alternate is that the dominant religion is kind of a, 
a Jewish inspired faith. So it takes a while for you to kind of get that, but then you realize that like, you know, that the standard things that she's using are 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 much more Jewish than they are Christian. Um and like I have a couple of nitpicks with some of that, but like for the most part it's just a really interesting change and really, you know, it's 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 really interesting to hear them talk about like you know, Shiva or, you know, like, oh, there were, there was a, you know, there are a couple of divides in the, in the faith. So like those people, you know, observe this way. And like, you know, we, we were just like, oh man, we don't do this. We don't know how to do this. And, you know, they speak that language. We speak this, like language is a big part of it. Um, Marie Brennan is one of those authors who I've like, once I found these books, I was like, oh my God, she's written a million books. Um, so I, I, I bought the first of one of her other series. Um, but she's, she's, she's also not always in print because even though she's very prolific, like it's very, it, not all of her books are easy to get your hands on. So like, <laughs> like more people should read her. So she's, she's easier to well, get her hands on. You find them You can find them used. used. Um, yeah. Um, it took, it took me a really long time to get the, my hands on the fifth, um, uh, dragons book because i don't know if it's actually even published in the united states it, it, it turned out it was, i was like this this is weird this is different and then it's british also there's illustrations there's like a lot of text and logical illustrations and um they're 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 wonderful super highly recommend just just yeah uh, if you if you like alternate history dragons alternate history with Jew- judaism feminism victorian stuff like so many boxes are ticked right here and and yeah Highly, highly recommend. And I just want to put in a plug for bookfinder.com for anybody who wants to find books mm. that are difficult to find because I've found it, it somehow it just goes through all of the the databases everywhere. And like I've searched for out of print books, you know, and it comes up with like a whole bunch of different options, you know, and uh, yeah, pretty much it looks at all the used book sites ever. <laughs> and uh yeah, so if you have the title, the the author name and the title, um, uh, you can you can pretty much find almost anything, which mm, is very really cool. cool. Actually, on top of that, I will also add that if you are interested in, um, like a a book that is new, um, or even frankly a book that is has been published for a while, um, do order it because uh, there's a lot of supply chain stuff that is very complicated and we can't really get into here, but um. The publishing industry is <laughs> paper products. Yeah, paper yeah. products are are very uh, yeah. So if you if you can yeah, afford paying for the the if you can spring for like the, the book, uh, the new book, definitely do that because that will be not just helpful for the author but frankly good for the industry in general. Uh, we're not going to get into it now. There's an article from Vox about it. The industry doesn't um, really matter right now because the paper is gone. The paper is gone. It does not matter how many uh, books you buy because. The books are just going to stop being there until the paper bills can get back to work. There's a box oh, article about it. It's yeah, interesting. They also can't but... ship. They can't ship because they have no. It's like it's like okay. Sort of thing. Well, it's, okay. Right. The, the TLDR is essentially because of a variety of situations. There's no paper. Like even like our magazine, our weekly magazine, they had to change to the newspaper paper because we don't have the magazine paper anymore. And we all thought it was just like budget cuts. No. They have to use the crappy newspaper stuff because they do not have the magazine quality oh my gosh. paper being printed anymore. And it's like a whole thing. And it started partially because of Amazon, partially because China shut um, shut down some paper mill, uh, some wood uh, like mills, like wood pulp mills 
because of environmental issues. So it's like this whole thing that comes from like every quadrant of bizarre interrelated issues. It's not just the shipping crisis like most mm-hmm. things right now. It's like <laughs> a crazy situation. Read the Vox article. It's a perfect story. Pretty much, yeah. It's like a really, really bizarre situation of like, there is no paper. So you can buy the books. Definitely buy the books. Listen to, to Michal. Definitely buy books. Um, but it the, the publishing industry is actually, like, it doesn't matter if you buy books because at one point there will just be no way to print them anymore. Ah, okay. so, no, no, no. They are so working on it. Then. They will, they will <laughs> get more paper. Just right now it is <laughs> difficult and it will change. Well, okay, terribly. fascinating thing I learned. Because also one of the things I've been doing is listening to a bajillion history podcasts. And one of them, I learned that old manuscripts, which were a lot of the time, if they weren't written on like cloth, like, you know, actual animal parchment, they were a lot of the time the paper was made out of like basically rag pulp. So it was cloth. So a lot of yeah. those things last a lot better than even like our modern like you know if if you have a paper paperback from the eighties like it it's a lot of the time crumbling you know but th- this is like it's 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 you know it's it's really good it's it's bad quality but enduring so a lot of those manuscripts are actually in better shape than like uh, some I heard stuff I heard something I really interesting about that it was like a, a Facebook thread so it could be totally wrong but it was that like. The cotton came usually from like cloth cloth remnants. So once undergarments became more popular and there were a lot more cloth remnants of that quality uh, cotton, that's when books really started becoming more popularized. So underwear is the reason. That is really interesting. I thought it was really funny. Speaking of uh, 80s paperbacks, I this just this Shabbos yesterday, I went. Uh, into our basement, and I unearthed many of my dad's uh, Star Trek tie-in novels uh, that, like, even he didn't remember that he had them. Because, <laughs> like, I'd asked him previously, like, do you have any Star Trek novels that I could read? And he was like, yeah, I have a few, you know, and, like, he brought up, like, a couple, and I was like, oh, I read those already. But um, then I went and did a deeper dive into our basement library, and I found, did you know that in the between like 1968 and 1975 um the the fantasy sci-fi writer James Blish was uh hired to do short story adaptations of all of the episodes huh. of Star Trek and like he did them in batches um of of the uh the original series so my dad had an omnibus edition of season 1 of uh of Star Trek where like each episode has basically been adapted into a short story and it's like I'm looking forward like I've been I I, I was reading the first one and like dipping in and out of the other ones and like it's really interesting to see because like um some things you know he obviously had to add in because it's not in the script it's just so like what did he choose to add you know to to flesh certain things out but like he Overall, he very much sticks with the script, and it's basically like watching the episode without watching the episode, um, you know. But then there, you know, there are little things here and there that are author interpretations of things, you know. And it's just like really interesting because like it's not something that you would ever do nowadays, like to adapt, you know, the episodes. Like some movies have novelizations, but to adapt episodes is like so bizarre, um, and 
it also includes like all of his like introductions to various different because uh, he did it in batches. So each batch he wrote a different introduction to um, and they for this omnibus, they collected them all. Plus the final one, which was written by uh, his uh, his widow because he passed away before finishing the last like couple of stories um and she's a science fiction writer also and so she finished them for him um and wrote the final intro um and he talks about like how like <laughs> he's gotten more fan mail from this than all of his like 30 other books that he's written and other you know thousands of short stories or whatever you know he's just like this has gotten me more fan mail than anything and like and i apologize that i cannot answer all of your fan mail like i read every single one but if i answered them all i would not be able to write any more books so please uh-huh. do not write <laughs> uh, you know please please send send you know keep sending your fan mail i i love reading it but um don't enclose postage you know to send back to write back and don't you know uh expect an, a response because i can't you know <laughs> and uh, uh all of this and, and like if you want to write a bit to the people who actually make the show i'm just a, an, a writer who adapts you know the scripts i do not have any input whatsoever into the creative uh creation of the show uh, so please write to whoever you know and he gives like the actual addresses of the people <laughs> in hollywood or whatever. it's like and like i have not met the actors i cannot give you their autographs it's just like hilarious insight into like what fan culture was like in the 1960s and 70s that's awesome yeah so yeah so you mentioned 80s <laughs> i had to <laughs> <laughs> and it is falling apart but it is in surprisingly oh, good awesome. condition yeah like the spine is very very cracked and worn but it's definitely still holding together so that's about gonna wrap us up for things we were into during the pandemic um and uh we're gonna just now very quickly let you know what we're gonna be doing for our next series of episodes uh i think this was um a combination of ideas from tomorrow and sm um, but, uh, we're basically going to be going through the, um, Midot of Musser, which are, um, kind of character traits that, uh, define, I, man, how would you define Musser? Uh, I, I um, struggle. Self-improvement? I guess it's the, the, like, the kind of, the kind of, you know, character and, uh, introspective focus, um, in Judaism of, like, you know, self-improvement. Yeah. Like, the values of self-improvement. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. that is... Yes, that's good. Um, we'll have a link to the to the source we're using for this. Um, but basically, we're going to be going through these Midot. There are seven of them. Um, one each episode. And um, we're going to be starting... Are there more Midot than that? No, I think there's a list seven? of seven. At least in the source. Okay. <laughs> um, and we're going to be talking about kind of literary applications of these and how, you know, characters we see them in, stories we see them in. Uh, maybe stories we'd like to see these things in. The first one we will be starting with is the Mida of Savlanut, or Patience, and also its counter, which is Impatience, shockingly enough. I'm pretty sure. That's so fairly so if you have any story. thoughts on those um, things, you should send Yes, please do. Let us know of characters, stories, um, thoughts you have on that. We would absolutely love to hear them and share them. Um, yeah, so that's going to wrap us up for the time being. Many, many, many thanks to our amazing editor, uh, Jamie, who you can find on Twitter at Jamie underscore Bloomberg. You can also find their website at jamberg.me. Without them, we would literally not have this podcast because um, none of us have the kishkas to edit anymore, and they're amazing at it. So, fantastic. Um, SM, where can people find you on the internet place? 
Um, you can find me on Facebook, and uh, lately I have actually been a little bit more active on Twitter. Not very, because Twitter is a terrible, terrible place. But um, it's basically because I felt like I was posting uh, a little too much on my uh, Facebook profile about all the Star Trek I was watching, and I decided to make my Twitter into basically my Star Trek overflow. So there's a lot of Star Trek content on my uh on my uh, current Twitter feed, and uh, there may be more coming. I don't know because season four of Discovery just started, and I have <laughs> a lot of thoughts. <laughs> but I don't know if I'm going to put them on Twitter yet. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so my Twitter handle is uh, Floating Spirals, and it's also linked. I think you can find it in the bio on our NJF Twitter. So if you uh, look at the Jewish fangirls. Uh, Twitter handle, you'll find uh, all three of us are linked there, and you can follow us probably from there. Very cool. And Tamara, what about you? I'm actually taking a Twitter break right now. Very wise. Because Twitter I'll is be a like terrible, back. terrible place. I can get into it one time, what finally, like, was the straw that broke the camel's back, but I don't know if I'll go back anytime soon. Um, except I feel kind of guilty whatever, for not posting, like, interviews I do and stuff, which would get way more traction if I posted them on Twitter. Um, so yeah, so you can follow me still on Instagram on tomorrow at tomorrow rights, although I'm really just posting pretty pictures of Hong Kong, um, which is great. And sometimes my stories have my interviews and articles in them. So that's cool. Otherwise the best place to follow me and my work is tomorrowherman.com. It's very straightforward. It's very, 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 very basic. If anybody wants to fix my website for me please (laughs) but actually don't contact me because i get all those scammy ones so like do it in a professional manner except i don't have a big budget so probably (laughs) i'm looking at your website it looks pretty nice honestly it's from this it's it's it's, from journalportfolio.com i think i pay like a hundred dollars a year for me to like get it and it grabs from my article feeds directly and automatically which is quite nice and then it saves a PDF of every single very article. Very cool. Um, I'm just yes. like scrolling and scrolling. You have so many articles. That's wow. I write a lot a week and I'm very tired. <laughs> um, on that note, <laughs> what about me, Paul? Um, yes, I uh, had a failed Twitter hiatus. So I, you can find me on there at Ink as Rain. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I also am doing the Level 7 Access podcast uh, with our wonderful editor, Jamie, and uh, a fantastic other crew where we are talking about Marvel and Star Wars primarily, although we talk about other things too. I'm also on the Vassals of Kingsgrave podcast every so often. I was just on an episode about ghosts and completely freaking forgot to say anything about Dibooks. So, plus one for me. Um <laughs> And I also do um, a Witcher-based podcast, which is called The Podcast of Surprise, which we will be talking uh, hopefully soon about the upcoming Witcher season two, because everything has to come out in, like, the same amount of time. So, ah! but yeah. So that is uh, where you can find me. Uh, you can also find us, Nice Jewish Fangirls, uh, on Twitter at Jewish Fangirls. We're on Facebook at Nice Jewish Fangirls. You can find uh, us via email at Nice Jewish Fangirls at gmail.com. We also have merch, which we will include links to in the text below if you would like to, you know, get someone a present or yourself a present for this, you know, holiday question mark 
yeah, season. I yeah. Buy a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I really want one. Um, <laughs> I want a yeah, red one. There are there yeah. are good sales on uh now. Um it's probably the best time of year to buy from from those websites. Um so yeah. We do not. We don't we control do the price. Um, but every little pricing. bit would help. So thank you so much. And uh, I think that's going to wrap it up, guys. All right. Well Welcome done. Back. Welcome back. And as always, live long and prosper, everybody. <laughs>